Hello. I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie, and I'm talking about Sandra Cantu and Michelle Mockby. Two different stories with a link that I will not be revealing until the end. Content warnings are for child sexual abuse and hustle culture. Fucking gross. <laughs> Equally gross. <laughs> um, what was it? Join us on Patreon. We have a general support tier as well as a tier that gets you three bonus episodes a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at Tell No One Podcast or send us an email at tellnoonepod at gmail.com. Sources are in the show notes. Everything's alleged, but this is definitely Tell No One. Uh, this might be a double, might not, depending how long the first one goes. And then I'll have you guess the link that I that I pulled for these two. Okay. Okay. So Sandra Cantu was born in March 2001. Yeah, it's going to be very sad. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, she's the youngest of four children to Maria and Daniel. Her parents divorced soon after she was born, so she spends most of her time with her mom, her siblings, and her maternal grandparents in a mobile home park in Tracy, California. She's very social, outgoing. She's the baby of the family, so they're, they're all obsessed with her. And she knew most of the people in the mobile home park and like would go talk to them. There's about 100 people who live in the park. Including a pedophile murderer? Probably a few. <laughs> oh. And a, a, this is like a relatively small park, I guess. The 100 is not a lot. Okay. March 27th, 2009, Sandra comes home from school and is excited for the weekend. It's a Friday. We're eight. TGIF. Uh, she tells her mom she's going to go play with the new family that had just moved in who have like kids her age, um, a few trailers down, and then she tells her to be home by dinner. Their like family rule was like she can't leave the park. Like that's her rule. And mm. she never did. So but by seven o'clock, she is not returned home. And Maria starts calling like the families around the area. Sandra had gone to play with the new girls who had moved in. But after she left their house, no one had seen her. I feel a little bit of terror for the mother. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, there's a few times I'd lost sight of my sister and I was like, well, I'll just head in the oven. Now. I truly was like, I'll blow my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time you and I, I Ooh. think you and I, um, wandering off in the mall mm. in like the Hadley mall. <laughs> and I, we came back to my mom crying. Yeah. I think we got the PA. She went on the announcements. Yeah. Yeah. Like they got kidnapped. Uh -huh. I remember being annoyed at the time being like, what? Yeah. Like we wandered off to like American Eagle. I went to Claire's. <laughs> what of it? Yeah. Um, or like we, no, we were in Bath and Body. Absolutely. <laughs> she should have checked there first. And I remember being like, why didn't you check Bath and Body? <laughs> <laughs> um, but now I can remember like the um, the terror she had. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going door to door. No one had seen her since four. And it's like seven, a little after seven. We're walking around the park. We're, we're calling her name. We're doing all that. And they're doing it quickly. Yeah. Like, we haven't begun long. No, she's supposed to be home at seven and like 20 minutes after she doesn't come home is when they start yeah. to, to look around. So about an hour later, she calls the police. They arrive. They search the whole park. They knock on every door and no one has seen her. They start a citywide grid search. Um, they talk to all people who know the family. They go street by street. They bring out a helicopter. The night passes. They don't find anything. They bring in bloodhounds the next morning, but they don't really help. Part of what is so wild about kidnapping a kid or hurting a kid 
they're gonna have a helicopter up there looking for you. <laughs> you have no fucking doubt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, By sunfall. Sunfall. Is that normal? Down. Sundown. <laughs> They'll have a helicopter Nightfall. up in the air. Nightfall, sundown. Um, but you know what I mean? Like the terror for the kidnapper to be like, right. they're looking for me. <laughs> that would be really like I couldn't take the <laughs> How would you sleep that night? You know what I mean? I would cry. <laughs> uh, especially in what, 2009? Like, this is old hat. Like, we have, like, we know oh, child yeah. deductions. We know how Amber to. Amber alert, babe. Yeah. Yeah. So there actually was a little bit of criticism that they. No. There was a little bit of criticism because they did not issue an Amber alert, but. But they got a heli up there. They got a heli up there. And also, for an Amber alert, you need a car description of some kind. Right. And, like, anything. They have nothing. They don't have, like, last seen in this car or suspicious something they have nothing okay so what would they say like ice peel gentlemen (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i think they're saying that yeah got it um so they search the sex offender registry for within a mile radius they bring in the fbi and other departments they have divers searching rivers they have atvs searching the woods like if i were a mother and they brought out the diving diving team fuck you fuck you yeah throw me in the river thank you uh fuck you too (laughs) throw me in the river they obviously investigate her father daniel because he had been having like child support and custody issues with maria um at the time but he was cleared he was not even in town at the time um yeah to fucking deadbeat oh my god sorry (laughs) um no 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 so here's this they had like a surveillance camera at the front of their mobile home. I was going to say ring, but this is 2009 pre ring. Mm. And at three 54 PM, you see Sandra skipping towards home, but something. Oh, she bumped her mic. So she's skipping towards home and something off camera, like catches her eye. Like you see her like look Mm-mm. and then walk toward it. And then obviously there's no camera of her coming back ever. I feel a little bit... I'm freaking. I'm freaking a little bit. I'm going to be honest. I'm freaking a little bit. (laughs) Like, to me, the idea of the figure beyond the camera that you can't quite... Yeah, of, like, the being lured Mm. by, like, a a false... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, this happened Friday night, and so by 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, they began a roadblock search near the trailer park entrance. Uh, We're handing out flyers the whole nine yards. So the FBI comes up with a profile um, and they say it's probably a white male aged between 25 and 40 with a criminal history of sexual assault or child pornography. So the police also ask for permission to look at and like look through Maria's phone, which she says yes to the mother. mother. Yeah. Um, She gives it to them and she says, oh, by the way, a fellow mom in the trailer park, Melissa Huckabee, texted me on Friday and said, quote, tell the police that I had something stolen today around 4 p.m. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. So like right around the time that she went missing, this Melissa person said a large suitcase was taken from her driveway. What the fuck? Melissa is a Sunday school teacher with a daughter around Sandra's age who like they played together sometimes. Hmm. And that really did happen? The suitcase? Yeah. So the next day, during a candlelight vigil for Sandra, Melissa, that mother, approached the police and FBI to report that she had found a note on the ground. The note read, Cantu locked in stolen suitcase, thrown in water on Bachetti Road and Whitehall Road, witness. 
stolen was misspelled as S-T-O-L-I-N and on had two N's. Annoying. So they're still looking at the surveillance video and they rewind it a little bit um, to 10 minutes earlier before you see Sandra. Um, So before she's seen skipping, Melissa is seen on the camera. And at the end of when Sandra's on the video, she's like skipping towards Melissa's home. Okay. At 4.02 p.m., park cameras show Melissa's purple Kia leaving the park and turning down the road toward the church where she worked. At 5.27 p.m., a nearby Best Western surveillance camera sees her driving east after leaving the church and heading north toward an irrigation pond. At 5.57 p.m., she was recorded driving west back toward the church, and around 7, she was recorded coming back into the park and pulling into her home. So they interview sex offenders nearby. They are all cleared. One man had approached Sandra at the pool two years earlier and had kissed her on the lips. God damn it. Yeah. And he was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) in his interview with police, he said, yes, I have sexual fantasies involving children, girls, young girls, Uh but denied having anything to do with her disappearance and was cleared. Damn. When that guy. Look, I didn't do it. I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a freak. Yeah, I did that other thing that I should not have done. But like, did I take her and kill her? No. No. Leave me alone. And you're not putting that on me. So they talked to the ice cream truck driver who people like hated. They're like... <laughs> people hated him. People hated him. <laughs> okay. A, a father had asked him to leave the park before. They're like, you're too fucking weird. Oh, wow. Okay. He is cleared. But people are like, don't come back here. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, you're not welcome. <laughs> okay. But as we like, soon- need to be on fucking, we shouldn't have to, but like, we need to be on fucking high alert for pedophile shit. I don't think putting your kid on a leash is bad. I think that until they're like 20, <laughs> <laughs> until we figure out what's going on. <laughs> Truly, like until we figure out. <laughs> clip. <laughs> Susie's getting clipped. So the FBI is suspicious of this Melissa Huckabee note. Me too. That she found. Because when she found it, she was like in hysterics. Like, I found this note. Well, and to kind of like we have been searching high and low, and you found this note. And like days later. They came by and dropped a note off at the park that we didn't and we didn't see it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Or it didn't get blown away if it's been there for days. Like, please. Sure. So they're like, is she covering for like a boyfriend or something? Um, so a handwriting expert thought that it had whoever wrote the note was writing so badly, like to throw off their handwriting. On with two N? ends. Freak. No one in their right mind would misspell on like that. Yeah. Hardly Beverly. You know what I mean? Right. And it would be a convenient kind of um Let's shut this shit down. Yeah. I'm telling you where the body ended up, man. You're like, I you can't can l- shut it down. Bring the helicopters down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if I had done a bad fucking thing, mm-hmm. I think I'd be like, let me end it. Yeah. Let me quietly end it. We can start Stop moving the search. On. We can all move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stop the search. Call off your dog. <laughs> um, so they're interviewing Melissa a little bit more. Uh, so she found the note. She reported her suitcase missing and was seen driving out of the park around the time of the disappearance. Yeah, and- like, why are you the main part of the... Why are you the main suspect? <laughs> <laughs> 
so her out al- this is her alibi she said she was at the church where she teaches at the time sandra was abducted but no one else was there with her to confirm that or to be taught to, or to be taught she was said she was decorating her classroom da, da, da. so they search her car and they find a blue post-it um with scribbled out words and they're able to isolate the words under the scribbles and it's Bachetti, whitehall and water so the names of the ponds that were in the note So they search her home and they find a notebook hidden below her nightstand. It was the same type of paper as the note. There's also indentations, like writing indentations on the paper left behind that matched exactly what the note had said. Yeah, a preteen detective could figure it out. By like drawing over it. Oh my, not stenciling, like, look at this. Look at this trick I picked up. (laughs) Like, come on, dude. (laughs) So they're pretty positive that she wrote this note but they're like how is she involved though you know like is she covering for someone why did she write the note right so meanwhile um they have a twenty two thousand dollar reward for information about sandra's whereabouts and they hand out ten thousand flyers have they checked everywhere they that she wrote in the note well april 6th the police get a call that a worker at a dairy farm on whitehall road had been draining an irrigation pond when he found a suitcase floating in the water. He tried to grab it and take it out of the water, but it was like way too heavy. Um, And the handles, like the zip part, the handle closure Mm. was cinched closed with a white rope. So like, if you were just throwing this out, why are you like ensuring it doesn't open? Yeah. Mm. And also like everyone in the area knows what they're looking for. Like he, he pretty much immediately can guess what it is. I bet. And they they drain out these ponds every two weeks. And he's like, and it wasn't here two weeks ago. Okay. So he calls the sheriff and reports it. The media heard the call before the police had and had helicopters out before the police were even aware. How so they did have they hear it before? Police scanner, I think. How could they do that? Beth's dad has a police scanner and we could just listen to it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like DUI over here. And we're like, turn that off some. <laughs> Turn up some. (laughs) Okay. So they transport the the suitcase. They transport the suitcase to the morgue and they open it and Sandra is inside. She's clothed and crammed in the fetal position in the suitcase. She is ID'd by her dental records and the clothes that she's wearing. They a toxicology report shows that she had been drugged with Xanax. Fucking why? There was cloth tied around her head with some blood on it. She had no bruises or scratches except a few abrasions on her elbow and lower lip. And she had injuries to her genitalia showing that she had been sexually assaulted with an object. Her cause of death was a homicidal asphyxiation. They say like a cloth noose had been used, which had been wrapped around her head after being sedated. Okay. So her mother and grandmother were taken to the hospital after being given the news because they collapsed. So a witness calls in and says that he had seen Melissa and her vehicle at the irrigation pond on their property between 530 and 6 on March 27th, the day of the disappearance. They described her as being, quote, in a hurry and distracted. And she reportedly told them that she just had to pee really quickly. Like, that's why she was out there. Oh, you literally talked to people at the irrigation pond yeah. when you dumped the body. Couldn't be dumber. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go through a little bit of a timeline again. 
we're reviewing the footage from the surveillance camera again. Um, it shows Sandra walking in the direction of Melissa's house at 354. Uh, the camera had captured Melissa's SUV driving in the opposite direction eight minutes later. And at approximately the same time, she called the trailer park manager to report that a suitcase had been stolen from her trailer. Mm. Like leaving the park with Sandra. How did it happen that fucking quick? I have no... And then, okay. So 85 minutes later, a surveillance camera located outside the parking lot of the church at which she taught Sunday school captured her driving away. 30 minutes after that, she was captured returning. And it was during this 30 minute time frame that she was spotted at the irrigation pond. So FBI agents searched the church and collected a rolling pin from the kitchen, which reportedly had a bloody smudge on it, as well as a bent handle. The rolling pin tested positive for Sandra's DNA and was likely sexually assaulted by this object. So she did the murder and at the church. At the church. What the hell? I don't know. Do you think she had a plan to do that? I mean, like it happened very quickly. You didn't come up with that in the moment. The bag and to call that in. Yeah. You kind of planned to get a kid and put her in a bag and take her to the church and kill her? Yeah. So April 4th, Melissa was admitted to the hospital after she swallowed an exacto razor blade. While hospitalized, she watched everything on the news about Sandra's disappearance and kept mentioning her stolen suitcase to the nurses. Okay. So they look into her criminal history, and two years earlier, there were two mysterious arson fires at her home, in which she was a person of interest. Three months earlier, she had pled guilty to petty theft for stealing from Target. She frequently overdosed on prescription pills, and she had a prescription for Xanax. Mm. Three months earlier, another parent in the park accused her of taking her child to a park without her permission. When she brought her home, the girl had slurred speech and was falling down. What? She was also seven. Her parents brought her to the ER, and they found benzos in her blood. Um, Melissa denied any wrongdoing and charges were never filed. On March 2nd, she also drugged a 37-year-old man named Daniel, her boyfriend. She had mixed a substance in his food and drink. The next day, he was arrested for DUI because he had gone through the McDonald's drive-thru, got and paid for his food, and then immediately passed out. (laughs) Damn. He was like, I don't know what's come over me. Yeah. When he woke up, he was disoriented and drove his car into a wall. They towed his car and took him into custody, but released him, and he was never charged with anything. Yeah, I think you... Someone's You're done the victim something. of a crime, in fact. Yeah. So Melissa was released from the hospital after this exacto knife thing. Um, she's back at her mobile home, where she lives with her grandparents and her daughter. Um, her grandparents and daughter had left town. <laughs> um, the police tapped her phone line. And the next day, uh, she calls Maria and asks if Sandra's sister wanted to come over and play. Maria did not know that Melissa was a suspect and was considering letting her go over to play, but oh didn't. Oh, my God. Uh, so they bring her to an interrogation room. Um, after hours of interrogation, Melissa confesses to killing Sandra, but claimed it was an accident. She said they were playing hide and seek, and Sandra hid in the suitcase, and then Melissa just forgot about her. I saw this fucking horrible story about a woman who zipped her boyfriend up in a suitcase and forgot about him, and he died. Oh, it's awful. There was like a video of it and he's in the suitcase like, let me know. And she's like, no, you know what you did. <laughs> oh, no. Terrible. And then she got drunk and went to sleep and woke up and he was dead in there. Oh, my God. It was very disturbing. I have to delete TikTok. All right. 
She also said she had tried to perform CPR, and when that didn't work, she just decided to hide the body somewhere. She denies any sexual assault. Okay, but we can prove it. We can prove it, and like we have the object you did it with. Right. Which you didn't get rid of, you freak. Right. Yeah, you kept it in the church, you fucking freak. Mm -mm. So a partially missing blinds cord from the church matched the cord wrapped around the suitcase as well. Mm. So they examined her computer. And on March 25th, two days before the abduction, after meeting up with Daniel, who she had drugged earlier in the month, at a motel to have sex, she came home and Googled maps around the county for bodies of water. She also reviewed the Megan's Law website, which gives the names and addresses of sex offenders. And when she was first interviewed by police, she mentioned some of these sex offenders by name as possible suspects. What? So she did her little homework. Yeah, she planned it pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Why? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> and like, why would you be giving them by name? Right. Why, why would do you, you know, know the name of every pedophile in the area? Right. And you think they're not going to look into them anyway? Yeah, we're good. And she accessed an article on September 11th, 2008 about a missing four-year-old who was later found stuffed in a suitcase and found in a river. The article talked about her advanced dean composition and how difficult it was to do lab tests because of that. Mm. March 26th, the day before the death, she searched WebMD and asked about the effects of swallowing razor blades. Not good. And then went on to do it? Yeah, I think Damn. she was like, I could probably survive. Oh. You know? Why did you do it then? I have no idea. For fun? I need to be taken care of for a night. Some R&R. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa's grandfather said that a few days before the murder, she asked him to get her suitcase out of storage. So, yeah. How are you planning it that much? And then you do it? You planned it? And then did it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that like, uh, maybe I'm thinking of a normal, like, I I'm a normal human being. I could never plan to hurt anybody. I could only imagine harming In anyone the out of sheer, like, oh, fuck, I didn't mean to. Or I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a true accident. So they believe that Melissa lured Sandra into her car, um, which is what is seen on the surveillance footage of her like going off screen, mm. um, and that she deliberately avoided going into the frame because she knew it was there. She probably asked Sandra to come with her to help decorate her Sunday school room at the church. Mm -hmm. And Sandra would have gone like she likes to help out. When they get to the church, see, she drugs her, sexually assaults her and murders her. She redresses her and puts her body in the suitcase and ties it shut with the window blind cord, drives to the irrigation pond, throws the suitcase into the pond and was seen by those people. And that's how it went down. Mm. She's indicted on murder with special circumstances, kidnapping, kidnapping, lewd and lascivious conduct and rape by an instrument. She's also charged with drugging Daniel and the other seven year old girl. And they are seeking the death penalty. Her trial is scheduled for October 2010, but she ends up pleading guilty to the murder for a plea deal with um, life without parole and the death penalty would be off the table and they dismiss the rape charge. Hmm. At her sentencing, she says, I still cannot understand why I did what I did. This is a question I will struggle with for the rest of my life. She did not provide any more answers, but she gave Maria, Sandra's mother, a note with basic apologies but added in the end that she had some cell phone pictures of sandra and her daughter on her phone if she wanted her to send them to her and ended the note with i will never talk about this again 
Damn. The FBI could not find any other case in which a woman acted alone in a sexual homicide that did not include another man or a family member. Mm. Melissa had had a lot of hospital stays and like WebMD searches and was in a lot of debt for always being in the hospital. People speculate that she might have had a little Munchausen going on, like liked the attention Mm -hmm. and like the fires and stuff. And she was heard saying before Sandra was found, quote, if their parents would have watched them better, this wouldn't have happened. I would never let my daughter walk around alone. Well, like, yeah, you can't become the thing we fear (laughs) to make me fear more. Right. To be like, (laughs) told you. Yeah. So they speculate that she killed Sandra for attention. And did the sexual assault to make it seem like it was a man, basically. Um, and she was also kind of known to hate Sandra. Um, and forbade, the kid? Yeah, the kid. And forbade her from playing with her daughter. She said that whenever they played, they like got into trouble. Damn. She had like personal animosity toward a seven-year-old. Right. Couldn't be me. I never think about children. The no. idea of like even having a particular feeling about a kid, good or bad. It's strange. Like, do you even think about a kid ever? Never. <laughs> not even when i was a kid i didn't care about the kids no and i couldn't relate and didn't know what they were up to didn't no. didn't know what they were into what they liked <laughs> didn't care to relate no <laughs> so yeah fucking strange huh yeah i too will never know why you did that horrible so it's like that's the thing is like hey like can i go to my friend's house her mom's there yeah you have duh you know what i mean well yeah like for sure i'm paranoid about men hurting women and children you know what i mean not other women yeah paranoid appropriately worried right reasonably concerned (laughs) (laughs) okay we're gonna transition to the next story here it's pretty different so we're in boone county kentucky at thermo fisher scientific michelle works in hr here close-knit company whatever she met her husband dan at work he's a shipping supervisor They went to a Christmas party together and soon after were married and had two daughters. It's May 29th, 2012. And Michelle goes in to work very early to do payroll so she can leave earlier in the afternoon. Apparently payroll. It's just crushing. The the responsibility of payroll is crazy. It is a crushing. (laughs) I'm always saying like, I have to go in and do payroll. Every, when I try to email our our financial lady, she'll be like, Annie... It's payroll day. Payroll week. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like crazy. What do you mean? Can you just plug in the shit? Haven't you been doing it all along? But and you're t- overwhelmed. And now, are you only plugging them all in today? Seems like it. We're not a big company, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're completely overwhelmed. You can't even look at what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So basically, yes. Michelle goes in very early. I'm talking like 5.30 in the morning. So... At 7.19 a.m., we have a 911 call from Thermo Fisher. Quote, I think somebody killed somebody up in the office. She's laying in here covered up with blood all over. It looks like it's Michelle Mockby. So detectives get to the office. Chaos. We've got a lot of employees milling about. They want people to be separated so they can't, like, share their stories. Oh, okay. So they find blood in the hallway, um, like a big splotch right outside the women's bathroom and it's like an office building it's like that office carpet uh-huh. um and there's pry marks on her office door like someone had pried it open or was trying to she's found on like a mezzanine thing it's like tile it's like a landing okay um she's lying face down she has her wrists taped together 
a plastic bag over her head. Oh her, my god! Yeah. I think a girl got murdered. What yeah. do you fucking mean? <laughs> what would you call we that? Like BTK level. Like, well, I think he's like. I think she's dead. Okay, got it. She's missing her shoes, and there's also a lot of blood pooling around her where she is. So other employees start calling Dan, her husband. Because they're being turned away from the building. Like, they're coming into work and there's, like, tape up and they're like, you can't come in here, obviously. And so they're calling him, like, Dan, what's up? There's, like, a huge police presence here. Um, And he's off today. And he calls 911 and is like, what What the hell's going on at my, like, workplace? Um, My wife is there. They're like, we can't tell you anything, just that they're investigating something. So they start interviewing the 13 employees who are on site um it's like a fucking agatha christie novel here we've got 13 people in the building and we're locking it down yeah okay they're taking fingerprints they're taking dna they're taking shoe prints they're turning on each other they're running out of water (laughs) (laughs) so the operations manager ed is the one who called 911 he says he got out of the elevator walked to his office saw the blood stain on the hallway and was like noted um walked further into the mezzanine and that's when he spotted like her bare feet and was like what No, no. I'm getting too old for this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. At work, too. So they find um, a very obvious blood trail with, like, luminol from the initial, like, big splotch all the way down to the mezzanine where she was found. And it looked like someone had tried to wipe it up with, like, a rag. Clean it up. Okay. They find, like, time punch cards in her purse that has blood on it. Huh. They look for... Go ahead. <laughs> do you think that she tried to like get away and got that far? Or do you think they like dragged her? I'll tell you. Okay. So they look for surveillance cameras. Doi, you're at work. Right. You're being watched. Watched. They do not have inside cameras, only on the outside of the building. And this is like a big office building. There's different companies in this building. Mm-hmm. They have two views, like one on one side of the building and one on the other. You can see traffic coming in and out. And at 5.53 a.m., they see Michelle's black Kia pull in. On the other side of the building, they see people on the camera, like two or three people leaving the building and like walking into the woods. Um, And so they're like, we have to investigate this. But it turns out that they, one of the companies in the building handled chemicals. So if you wanted to smoke, you had to go to a designated smoking area far in the woods. Oh, I thought we were dumping don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm dumping chemicals in the river. In the river. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> okay. So they also find out there had been a previous attempt to break into Michelle's office. So they had stopped keeping petty cash in there because they thought someone was breaking in to take that um, and put a new lock on the door. Wow. So they're like, okay, it was someone trying to break into her office and was encountered su- her. Right. And was surprised to see her there. That early in the morning. Right. But to then kill her that fucking wildly. Payroll day, guys. She's going to be in. Yeah, you know I'm in early. So they interview another guy who works there, Dave Dooley. He's the janitor. He's like, I got here. Um, I started working. You interviewed me. And here we are. I love the name Dave Dooley. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, what about this one? (laughs) Doug Tungate? (laughs) No. He was sitting by the punch-in clock, waiting for it to, like, turn exactly six before he clocked in. Um, And he saw Michelle. She came by, grabbed the punch cards, walked away. That was the last he saw her. That's what he says. Hmm. All 13 people said they have not left the building that morning. 
Could there be a trap door? <laughs> Is there like a moat or like a dungeon? You guys check that? <laughs> so um, they see a vehicle in the parking lot that they don't recognize. It's a white van. Meanwhile, Dan, her husband, gets there and they break the news. Um, and he gives them complete access to his phone, car, and house and everything. I don't believe Dan did it. Mm-mm. No. Um, Michelle's sister is at her home and sees a news story that just says assault at Florence business. Um, and then it updates to possible homicide. She calls her sister because she's like, that's where my sister works. Um, obviously no answer. She calls Dan and a detective answers it. And they're like, are you Michelle's sister? And she's like, yes. And they say, we have someone on their way to talk to you, which is like, Nightmare. Oh my god, my belly would drop to my butt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they begin to search each vehicle in the parking lot. They have cadaver dogs, which show interest in Dan's trunk. They had a date night the night before, and the kids had slept over at their grandparents. Oh. He mentions that he slept on the couch. And they're like, oh. What? And he says it's because she didn't want him to be disturbed when she got up early in the morning because he's on vacation. Fine. Fine. And he People passed. People who are married for a long time, like, don't. It's fine. Like, we're fine. Like, everything <laughs> can't mean everything, right? you know? Yeah. And he passes a polygraph. Turns out that one of the cadaver dogs hit on his trunk because he had leftover barbecue in the trunk. Oh, my God, Dan. So they rule him out. They also could not find a murder weapon or any bloody clothes. They find the owners of the white van um, and bring them in. It's a man and a wife and their nine-year-old daughter. And they said they were driving the van and it started to sputter out. So they just coasted into the nearest parking lot where it died. Then they walked to their sister-in-law's house and that was the end of that. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. You can leave. (laughs) Back to their surveillance cameras. They see a red pickup truck leave the parking lot at 6.30 a.m. Why are they leaving so early? What time did she die? She died. She got there at 5.54. And we don't know until people got there at like... 7. The, the 911 okay. call was like 7.10 or something. Okay. I mean... So 6.30. Perfect. Perfect timing. Could be our guy. And the red pickup truck is seen returning on the other camera 35 minutes later. They see the truck originally arrived for the day at 4.42. Ew. The first vehicle to get there that morning. Middle of the night. Doing something shady? Breaking into HR? Maybe. Yeah. They find... Oh, and she, like, walked in on it. But people... That guy by the punch-in thing, what time did he Before six. Her? Before six. Like, right when she got in. Okay, before she walked to her own... Office. Yeah. Okay, got it. Fucking crazy, right? Why are we all here that... Fi- we all need to go back at nine. Like, it's why <laughs> the fuck are we all here at, like, 5.45? It's also crazy that you can be in an office building, like... Looking at the clock while someone's being murdered down the hall. Like, what? Yeah. Okay. So they find out whose truck it is. It's Dave Dooley's truck. The janitor. The janitor. And he told them he had never left that day. Remember? Oh, my God. I came in. You bugged me. Mm -hmm. And now we're here. Uh, Uh, Hardly. So they go interview him at his home. Hardly even coming in and out all fucking morning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And why were you here at 445? Right. What the fuck? We all need to like really think a lot about <laughs> American hustle culture. <laughs> Guys, work-life balance. So they're, they interview him at his house. And this time he's like, yeah, I worked a little bit and then went home at 630 in the morning because I couldn't get a hold of my wife and went home to check on her. And then I went back to work a little after seven. Did I not mention that? 
No, Dave. And like people don't rush home if their wife didn't pick up the phone call at like er- early in the fucking morning. Yeah, an hour after what you left. What do you left. mean? Am I okay? I'm asleep. Africa. Why? What'd you hear? <laughs> so they <laughs> they interview his wife, who is also a janitor at Thermo Fisher. I can't say Thermo Fisher. Um, she's also a janitor there. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I think he just got her the gig. I don't think they met janitoring. Know, like, two janitors in one house. house. <laughs> it's like a lot, right? It's a lot. I don't think it's typical. Okay. It's no site supervisor in HR. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So they're talking to the wife. And they ask her after he left for work. At did the, he come home at the fucking crack ass of dawn? Did he come home? And she's like, <laughs> no, good for her. I'm not lying for him. We're not over yet. Damn. <laughs> she says, no, um, I, I saw him next after you guys released him that afternoon. Like after you guys shut down the crime scene. Yeah. Um, I still want you to move on before I, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we think that, she didn't know that they had cracked that he left. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, if I had known, I absolutely would have lied. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, yeah, she does not say that he came home to check on her. Because okay. why the fuck would he need to do that? Mm-hmm. I'm an adult woman. I'm chilling. I'm not working today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take him downtown and he sticks to his story. He came home to check on his wife and he said that he found her sitting on the couch, quote, getting ready to text him back right when he walked in. Isn't that funny? You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, they talked to Janet, his wife, again. And she says, that's so funny because he came home right when I was about to send him a text at like 620. Uh-huh. And the detective says, you got to think long and hard about this because that's not what you said this morning. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If a detective told me, hey, I'm going to give you another chance to answer that. Think really hard about what you're about to do. Yeah. It will affect your entire life, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you say that again. Yeah. That's very kind of you. So meanwhile, they're searching their home and they look in the closet and it's like very meticulously organized. He's got like all his shoes lined up and all his shit right. But there's like one obvious hole where a pair of shoes is missing. <laughs> the issue with being... You can spot what's missing. Yeah. I'm very creeped out by people who are like that. I mean, you're grasping at control. We all yeah. have our ways of doing it. I know. I know. <laughs> We've all had an ED. control 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 um they talk they talk to janet about their marriage and she's like he's not violent but uh, he did hit me in the face right after we got married that one time okay so autopsy for michelle uh she had fatal blows to the head and they're like we think it might have been a tape gun like one of those big industrial tape guns i don't know what that like tape Oh, like a, a out of packaging? Yes, like, like big boxes. Oh, okay, got it. Like packing tape. Okay, got it. Um, and Ed had mentioned that one was missing. Uh, so like the shapes of the tape gun thing. Because like, you know how there's like little like claws? The claw part that will cut the tape? Exactly. That like resembles the marks on her head. Fuck you hitting me with that. That would fucking hurt. Oh God. Um... Okay, so the detectives get David and Janet's time cards and cell phone records, and they look closer and see that on several days, both Dave and Janet are clocked in, but Janet is never seen coming into the building on the surveillance cameras. Oh, you are lying about your time at work. Exactly. And she was about to find out. Correct. So this is what they think happened. They think Michelle came to work early. Gets the time cards from, like, near that guy. 
mm-hmm. goes to her office, and Dave is prying open her door. Pro- to pry open a door? Yeah. You've gone too far, man. Like, think about what you're doing. You have a crowbar. <laughs> slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did we get here? Yeah. Um, he did not expect her that early, and she catches him trying to pry the office open. He punches her which knocks her to the ground what the hell she's bleeding he grabs a tape gun tapes her hands behind her back um i find that really um horrifying yeah i can't imagine um i don't know that to me i feel different about like hitting her or anyone yeah out of panic right and then like intentionally restraining her yeah do, do you know what I mean? That yeah. I feel like they have a different vibe. Yeah. So what they think is that him like punching and like hitting her in the f- head created so much blood. So that's why he got like a garbage garbage bag and put it over her head to stop the bleeding like from, from going spilling. everywhere. Yeah. Takes like the garbage bag out of the can from the bathroom, wraps it over her head to stop the bleeding and then drags her down the hallway, strikes her a few more times puts her in the mezzanine, hits her more, and then tries to clean up all the blood. But then realizes... I am the janitor, after all. Exactly. He has the best chemicals, but he can't get rid of, like, that big, big initial stain. So he decides, he's like, I just gotta, like, hide the evidence or whatever. So he Mm. goes somewhere, um, disposes of his clothes and the tape gun, um, and then comes back to work like nothing happened. Mm Mm-hmm. They bring him in again, and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But they, as a little mind trick, they bring in a tape gun in an evidence bag, but it's not, like, the, the tape right gun. One. Yeah, and just, like, put it on the table. And he just, like, folds up his arms and asks for an attorney. He's arrested in September, and October 2014, there's a three-week trial, and he is convicted and sentenced to life. Janet apparently didn't know anything. She was just lying for him. But didn't like wasn't didn't involved. Yeah, didn't think he actually did it. I guess lying blindly. Right. I mean, she knew he was clocking in for her. She was cashing the checks. Yeah, I am at home in bed, not working. <laughs> I'm working from home today. You're a janitor. as a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> You're a janitor. Wow. Yeah. Those um, are my two tales. Do you know what the link hold is? Hold on. Hold on. Don't look at me or talk to me. Okay. Um, they wouldn't know what was going on without it. Camera. Yeah. Camera shit. Camera shit. <laughs> yeah, surveillance camera. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another here's the ending you're being given. Here you go. <laughs> bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.